section nine of a history of our own times volume one by justin mccarthy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter four science and speed part two mr afterwards sir rowland hill is the man to whom this country and indeed all civilization owes the adoption of the cheap and uniform system his plan has been adopted by every state which professes to have a postal system at all mr hill belonged to a remarkable family his father thomas wright hill was a teacher a man of advanced and practical views in popular education a devoted lover of science an advocate of civil and religious liberty and a sort of celebrity in the birmingham of his day where he took a bold and active part in trying to defend the house of dr priestley against the mob who attacked it he had five sons every one of whom made himself more or less conspicuous as a practical reformer in one path or another the eldest of the sons was matthew davenport hill the philanthropic recorder of birmingham who did so much for prison reform and for the reclamation of juvenile offenders the third son was roland hill the author of the cheap postal system roland hill when a little weakly child began to show such precocious love for arithmetical calculations as pascal showed for mathematics his favourite amusement as a child was to lie on the hearthrug and count up figures by the hour together as he grew up he became teacher of mathematics in his father's school afterwards he was appointed secretary to the south australian commission and rendered much valuable service in the organization of the colony of south australia his early love of masses of figures it may have been which in the first instance turned his attention to the number of letters passing through the post office the proportion they bore to the number of the population the cost of carrying them and the amount which the post office authorities charged for the conveyance of a single letter a picturesque and touching little illustration of the veritable hardships of the existing system seems to have quickened his interest in a reform of it miss martineau thus tells the story coleridge when a young man was walking through the lake district when he one day saw the postman deliver a letter to a woman at a cottage door the woman turned it over and examined it and then returned it saying she could not pay the postage which was a shilling hearing that the letter was from her brother coleridge paid the postage in spite of the manifest unwillingness of the woman as soon as the postman was out of sight she showed coleridge how his money had been wasted as far as she was concerned the sheet was blank there was an agreement between her brother and herself that as long as all went well with him he should send a blank sheet in this way once a quarter and she thus had tidings of him without expensive postage most persons would have remembered this incident as a curious story to tell but there was one mind which wakened at once to a sense of the significance of the fact it struck mr rowland hill that there must be something wrong in a system which drove a brother and sister to cheating in order to gratify their desire to hear of one another's welfare mr hill gradually worked out for himself a comprehensive scheme of reform he put it before the world early in eighteen thirty seven 
the public were taken by surprise when the plan came before them in the shape of a pamphlet which its author modestly entitled post office reform its importance and practicability the root of mr hill's system lay in the fact made evident by him beyond dispute that the actual cost of the conveyance of letters through the post was very trifling and was but little increased by the distance over which they had to be carried his proposal was therefore that the rates of postage should be diminished to the minimum that at the same time the speed of conveyance should be increased and that there should be much greater frequency of dispatch his principle was in fact the very opposite of that which had prevailed in the calculations of the authorities their idea was that the higher the charge for letters the greater the return to revenue he started on the assumption that the smaller the charge the greater the profit he therefore recommended the substitution of one uniform charge of one penny the half ounce without reference to the distance within the limits of the united kingdom which the letter had to be carried the post office authorities were at first uncompromising in their opposition to the scheme the postmaster-general lord lichfield said in the house of lords that of all the wild and extravagant schemes he had ever heard of it was the wildest and most extravagant the mails he said will have to carry twelve times as much weight and therefore the charge for transmission instead of one hundred thousand pounds as now must be twelve times that amount the walls of the post office would burst the whole area in which the building stands would not be large enough to receive the clerks and the letters it is impossible not to be struck by the paradoxical peculiarity of this argument because the charge would be so much welcomed by the public lord lichfield argued that it ought not to be made he did not fall back upon the then familiar assertion that the public would not send anything like the number of letters the advocates of the scheme expected he argued that they would send so many as to make it troublesome for the post office authorities to deal with them in plain words it would be such an immense accommodation to the population in general that the officials could not undertake the trouble of carrying it into effect another post office official colonel maberly was at all events more liberal my constant language he said afterwards to the heads of the departments was this plan we know will fail it is your duty to take care that no obstruction is placed in the way of it by the heads of the department and by the post office the allegation i have not the least doubt will be made at a subsequent period that this plan has failed in consequence of the unwillingness of the government to carry it into fair execution it is our duty as servants of the government to take care that no blame eventually shall fall on the government through any unwillingness of ours to carry it into proper effect it is perhaps less surprising that the routine mind of officials should have seen no future but failure for the scheme when so vigorous and untrammelled a thinker as sydney smith spoke with anger and contempt of the fact that a million of revenue is given up in the nonsensical penny post scheme to please my old excellent and universally dissentient friend noah warburton mr warburton was then member for bridport and with mr wallace another member of parliament was very active in supporting and promoting the views of mr hill i admire the whig ministry 
sydney smith went on to say and think they have done more good things than all the ministries since the revolution but these concessions are sad and unworthy marks of weakness and fill reasonable men with alarm it will be seen from this remark alone that the ministry had yielded somewhat more readily than might have been expected to the arguments of mr hill at the time his pamphlet appeared a commission was actually engaged in inquiring into the condition of the post-office department their attention was drawn to mr hill's plan and they gave it a careful consideration and reported in its favour although the post-office authorities were convinced that it must involve an unbearable loss of revenue in parliament mr wallace whose name has been already mentioned moved for a committee to inquire into the whole subject and especially to examine the mode recommended for charging and collecting postage in the pamphlet of mr hill the committee gave the subject a very patient consideration and at length made a report recommending uniform charges and prepayment by stamps that part of mr hill's plan which suggested the use of postage stamps was adopted by him on the advice of mr charles knight the government took up the scheme with some spirit and liberality the revenue that year showed a deficiency but they determined to run the further risk which the proposal involved the commercial community had naturally been stirred greatly by the project which promised so much relief and advantage sydney smith was very much mistaken indeed when he fancied that it was only to please his old and excellent friend mr warburton that the ministry gave way to the innovation petitions from all the commercial communities were pouring in to support the plan and to ask that at least it should have a fair trial the government at length determined to bring in a bill which should provide for the almost immediate introduction of mr hill's scheme and for the abolition of the franking system except in the case of official letters actually sent on business directly belonging to her majesty's service the bill declared as an introductory step that the charge for postage should be at the rate of fourpence for each letter under half an ounce in weight irrespective of distance within the limits of the united kingdom this however was to be only a beginning for on january tenth eighteen forty the postage was fixed at the uniform rate of one penny per letter of not more than half an ounce in weight the introductory measure was not of course carried without opposition in both houses of parliament the duke of wellington in his characteristic way declared that he strongly objected to the scheme but as the government had evidently set their hearts upon it he recommended the house of lords not to offer any opposition to it in the house of commons it was opposed by sir robert peel and mr goulburn both of whom strongly condemned the whole scheme as likely to involve the country in vast loss of revenue the measure however passed into law some idea of the effect it has produced upon the postal correspondence of the country may be gathered from the fact that in eighteen thirty nine the last year of the heavy postage the number of letters delivered in great britain and ireland was a little more than eighty-two millions which included some five millions and a half of frank letters returning nothing to the revenues of the country whereas in eighteen seventy five more than a thousand millions of letters were delivered in the united kingdom the population during the same time has not nearly doubled itself it has already been remarked 
that the principle of sir rowland hill's reform has since been put into operation in every civilized country in the world it may be added that before long we shall in all human probability see an interoceanic postage established at a rate as low as people sometimes thought sir rowland hill a madman for recommending as applicable to our inland post the time is not far distant when a letter will be carried from london to san francisco or to tokyo in japan at a rate of charge as small as that which made financiers stare and laugh when it was suggested as profitable remuneration for carrying a letter from london to the towns of sussex or hertfordshire the penny post let it be said is an older institution than that which sir rowland hill introduced a penny post for conveyance of letters had been set up in london so long ago as sixteen eighty three and it was adopted or annexed by the government some years after an effort was even made to set up a halfpenny post in london in opposition to the official penny post in seventeen o eight but the government soon crushed this vexatious and intrusive rival in seventeen thirty eight dr johnson writes to mr cave to entreat that you will be pleased to inform me by the penny post whether you resolve to print the poem after a while the government changed their penny post to a twopenny post and gradually made a distinction between district and other postal systems and contrived to swell the price for deliveries of all kinds long before even this time of the penny post the old records of the city of bristol contain an account of the payment of one penny for the carriage of letters to london it need hardly be explained however that a penny in that time or even in sixteen eighty three was a payment of very different value indeed from the modest sum which sir rowland hill was successful in establishing the ancient penny post resembled the modern penny post only in name End of section nine.